Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. is over. We've completed the walk of shame. It's time for the morning after. Welcome to Countercharge. And that's right. We're here for another morning after. Uh, very excited to be here. Our uh, guest for uh, the morning after this week is going to be the the powerful, the master of the unfinished basement, uh, <laughs> the illustrious one. Everyone I call the illustrious one. So I got to think of something else for you, Felix. But that's right. We have Felix Castro on the show. How are you doing, Felix? I'm pretty good. How are you all doing? Uh, I'm super excited to have Felix on. But before we kind of get into Felix's story, let's go around the horn and see who we have on the cast with us today. Well, yeah, me, Mark Zelensky, as usual. Uh, Billy Smith, co-host of The Morning After. That's right. The hobby the hobby guru. That'd be me, Rob Enough. The tool man. I'm psyched to have you guys on the show. So as you as you guys know, the kind of how The Morning After works is we're going to kind of get to know Felix a little bit better. Felix is one of our regulars on After Dark. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Felix's gaming history, kind of uh, his thoughts on After Dark. And then we're, we will go into, we'll take a break. And then we have an awesome, really interesting hobby segment this episode. We're going to talk about army transportation and storage. So we're going to take a look at some different options of how you store your army, how you travel with it, how you store it at home. So we got a bunch of cool stuff for you guys today. So uh, strap in, as they say. So first off, Felix... Uh, why don't you give us a little bit? I think I think you've been on the show once before. I think Rob interviewed you at an event. I think it was it was Mark at the uh, Mark, Slaughter okay. Fest in Cleveland, Ohio. Why don't kind of what we like to do on Countercharge whenever we have someone new on the show, we have them give us a little bit their sort of gamer origin story. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you came to war gaming, how you found Kings of War. Just tell us a little bit about the the enigma that is Felix Castro. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't promise a two-minute speech like uh, Ryan did, but I hopefully won't be as long as Kevin Von Feltz will be. So, Kevin, the gauntlet's been thrown down. My name is Felix Castro. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. comes to gaming, my first experience uh, with gaming was, I think I was about nine or ten. I was living in San Antonio at the time. Picked up the Warhammer 40K 2nd Edition starter box. Uh, that was the one that had Blood Angels and Orcs on Armageddon. Wasn't really too serious into that game. Kind of the whole nine, ten year old just pushing toy soldiers around, making pew pew sounds, not really caring about the rules, which really isn't that much different for me now. But, uh, you know, after that, as I kind of got into my teens, kind of moved into mostly just playing RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, the White Wolf, Shadowrun, stuff like that. Did dabble into 40K around third or fourth editions, but uh, once I graduated from college, kind of moved away from wargaming entirely. After college, I did about a decade in the Army. Uh, eventually, towards the end of my tenure in the Army, getting into the X-Wing miniatures uh, game. 
So that's kind of where I come from uh, in wargaming. Unlike, I'd say, a lot of folks, I never actually played Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, by the time I got around to being like, yeah, I want to play Warhammer Fantasy, uh, GW had already killed it. Let's see. If anyone really in the War Kings of War community knows me, it's probably because they spend way too much time on uh, Kings of War fanatics and see me cracking jokes and posting snarky memes. Otherwise, I'm the founder slash moderator of the Gathering the Herd Facebook group, where I learn from folks who know how to use that army. Other than that, when I'm not wargaming, I'm a defense contractor supporting one of the Air Force bases here in Ohio. I'm married with three children. You know, I think it's interesting. Felix reminds us that not everyone is in the Kings of War hobby is a Warhammer refugee. I think there's a lot of people who are into Kings of War who didn't necessarily play that other game. So I think sometimes talking with those players who are who were fresh in Kings of War and don't always have that other game to compare to, I think sometimes you can get like an interesting perspective. Uh, like when you were first getting into Kings of War, Felix, what was it about, uh, you know, coming from X-Wing, uh, what was it about Kings of War that really like captured you? Well, the thing about X-Wing I really liked is, especially when I got into it, which for those who play X-Wing was about wave four or five the simplicity of the rules and you know it just seemed like a very elegant very simple game and i saw a lot of that in kings of war how it was just a very not very crunchy it's kind of you, you were you were playing the game not the rules so that's that's that that attracted me uh to kings of war no, I think that's really accurate. I think it's always like a good analogy or a good kind of, I guess, a t- elevator pitch for Kings of War that I like to give p- players is that uh, when you're playing the game, you're spending more time thinking about what you want to do strategy wise and not trying to remember on what page in the rule book X, Y or Z rule is. Yeah. So the, the strategy of, K- of the game comes in the gameplay and not in the minutia of the rules. That, that was my main attraction to, to Kings of War. And actually, it's funny. I got a demo from it from a local gaming store guy up, up in Hartford County, Maryland. And I had the demo. I loved the demo. And then I didn't touch Kings of War for like nine months. And then finally got back into wanting to try it. Bought a starter box, painted it up real quickly. And, you know, they were having meet, meetups at the local gaming store. And that's when I uh, got to play my first game of Kings of War. It was a thousand point game versus uh, Jake Hutton, which... Some folks in the community might know he's the uh, Mid-Atlantic uh, region chair. So, you know, and, and it, like you said, even in that early, early stages of just barely grasping the rules, I still had thoughts of like, OK, wow, if I could I could do this and maybe get a flank. But then if I if I fail, this, you know, get destroyed and just even in my first game, just that tactical level of thinking that, that really just kind of hooked me in. So Jake has inspired me. I'm like the. I love countercharge swag, so he inspired me, Rob and Mark. We need to do countercharge fanny packs. So that's gonna you gotta put that next on the docket, so that at the next tournament I can uh, keep all my dice and my countercharge fanny pack. I, I I know it's kind of like a funny thing, but in in actuality, it is like a kind of a good idea, you know, as far as carrying your all your stuff from table to table. So, Felix, as, as we kind of do on the morning after, uh, we're kind of going to just talk with you a little bit about your history with After Dark, what uh, sort of brought you there, some of your favorite memories, and then kind of like what you're working on. So when you you were one of our like first real regulars and to come to After Dark. So yeah. what was what was it about that sort of the environment of After Dark that sort of kind of pulled you in and ha- had you wanting to come every week? 
I think a lot of it had to do with I am not the most motivated of painters. Unless I have a deadline, it just doesn't happen. Like I'll just stuff will just sit unpainted for months. So, you know, normally um, with the club I'm in, the Ohio War Kings, we normally do our gaming on Friday nights. And so, you know, after I've played a game at the store, hung out with those guys, you know, I head back home and I'm like, man, I really kind of want to keep that going, that, that kind of vibe of hanging out at the store, talking about just whatever. I don't, I think I'd missed the first couple of Army in a Weekends, but definitely had heard the After Darks and I was just like, that's it. That's, that's what I want. So that's kind of what drew me to it was to be like, okay, I can, I can still have the, the, the gaming store experience. And I think like a lot of players out there, I'm, I'm a father, I have a family, I, you know, I have a wife that has a lot of patience, but it's not infinite. You know, I can't spend all the time away from home. So, uh, so I think it just, it just fit with me. And so that's kind of what attracted me to doing it in the first place. Yeah. It's really nice that, like you said, I think you, you kind of uh, encapsulate it very well, which is a way to have in your life that a feeling of being at the game store with your buddies and a way to have that from like the comfort of your own home. You know, where you can uh, have your friends that you hang out with. And then if you need to go do something like me, I got to go get a burrito. So I often have my 45 minute burrito breaks. And then, you know, you know that it's always going, even if you got to, you know, step out and and come back in. People are going to be going all night, pretty much. The public is is aware of some of the craziness that has happened in After Dark. You know, we've told stories of the the rubber band man and, you know, the, the beatings of Jake Hutton and his poor abusive relationships. But for you, is there something that kind of like has stood out to you kind of looking back over the sort of first, you know, months, few months of After Dark that when you think about it, it brings a smile to your face? I was thinking about this about an hour ago, just sitting at my computer going like, man, what, what is one that really just stands out? And the problem is I, I really have a hard time finding one particular favorite moment. And and for me, these after darks, it's it, it's it's kind of like cheers. You know, it's, it's a place where everybody knows your name. There's there's an, a feeling of camaraderie uh, that's involved in these things uh, that that. I think that's the overall feeling. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a cop out answer, but uh, unfortunately, with, with any form of brotherhood or, or, or kind of organization like that, unfortunately, a lot of the better moments tend to become quite inside jokes. You know, like the hashtag mini me too, and uh, also finding out lately, while it's going to be a long time before before I look at diesel engines the same way. So, just stuff like that. You know, those are the kind of my favorite things about yeah. it. Some of the neat parts, too, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but some of the nice parts, too, is when some of like the quote unquote, you know, bigger names of Kings of War, you know, log in. You know, I, you know, uh, one time I was driving back from playing in Columbus and, you know, Jeff Swan was was in the After Dark. So I was talking to him about my my army that I'll be talking about, you know, that I'm working on stuff like that. And so, you know, it's just that that sort of experience. You just I, 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 I just can't find that anywhere else, really. No, I think you, you bring up a good point in the fact that, you know, okay, we, we all play with toy soldiers, right? I mean, it, it, we can't take ourselves too seriously, but, you know, as Jesse Cornwell is wont to say, After Dark is, you do have minor internet celebrities come by. So, it, you know, it is a cool idea. I mean, 
uh, we were doing an After Dark recap of Masters the other night, and we had the master himself, Alec Chavez, was on. We had Jesse Cornwell, the sportsman, Master Crafted Master. You know, it, it it's one of those things which I think is fun is that I know the regulars who come, but you just never know who's going to drop by. You know, right. it could. It, it, you just don't know. So it's kind of fun to uh, – you just never know who's going to come check it out. Yeah, and, and the thing I like about it too is there's no – I mean, yeah, those are the people that are the, the quote-unquote minor internet celebrities. But again, just like in Cheers, just kind of like, oh, hey, Jeff, or hey, Jesse, you know, what's going on? You know, it just – it's like hanging out with your with your with your boys back at the local gaming store. There's just it's nothing. No one's too big. Nothing's too above it. I don't know. It's just kind of a neat feeling. Yeah, and I think that comes down to where you can't when you're into this hobby, you can't take yourself too seriously, right? Because right. when it comes down to it, it's like forty old virgin. You know, I'm gonna make your pants blue. You know, in the <laughs> end, we, we we it's kind of like a silly hobby. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. On some level. So I think that the people who are quote unquote known in the community, for the most part, I think you you do see that sort of humility and realization that, you know, we are kind of into this sort of niche thing and being into that kind of creates these bonds with each other. Right. Well, like, for example, you know, Alex Chavez was on and then I think Kyle Poole, the uh, countercharger, you know, from Masters, then started trolling him and said, why couldn't you do better and just get average? You know, why'd you have to? you know, win. Now he's explaining how getting countercharger was harder than actually winning it all. So, you know, you get knocked down a peg real easily in the after tra- in after darks if you're not yeah. too careful. <laughs> and then I think it's great. Like we had Britain come on and shout out to Britain. You know, he just had a new baby and wasn't able to go to masters. And I know has been jonesing and he was able to able to kind of log on with his baby and, and just, you know, chat and get that sort of little bit of gamer fix you know, and that's what After Dark allows is that you can get that uh, gamer fix without necessarily having to, you know, be at the game store. Right. So project wise, what have you been working on After Dark lately? What's kind of like your plan for the next few weeks or what sort of hobby projects are you working on right now? Most recent After Dark has been working on my Forces of the Abyss army uh, in preparation for Adepticon. Been working on that since about the end of december so it's kind of been i'm not the slowest of painters in the world but i'm not exactly a speed painter either so that's you know with adepticon being three weeks basically three weeks from today you know that the deadline is rapidly approaching oh and also i'm also working on a warpath firefight army because i secretly hate myself and decided i'm going to pick a horde army from warpath and paint that up for um, as you do yeah that's so I'm like, oh, yeah, I had to pick the army that has like 60 something drops for a sci fi game. Got it. Because I'm not smart in that respect. But so that's kind of the two projects I'm working on. My Forces of the Abyss army, which I'm about 70 percent done with. And then my Warpath army. So, Have you kind of thought about what your next after the Abyssals are done? What's kind of on the docket for this next year? Um, maybe so much. Not not so much this year. I, I as much as I have probably the biggest army ADHD case of at least anybody I play with knows, Andrew Summers does a really good job of like making sure I stick with one army for more than like a month. So uh, hopefully he'll do that again because he kept me from switching from the herd to whatever a whole bunch of times last year. Now for 2019, uh, I did recently uh, back a Kickstarter. Um, I think it was for the Northern Alliance. They came with a free skirmish game. I think it was called Vanguard. Um, <laughs> so... 
And I think I dropped a, <clears throat> my wife doesn't need to know about this, but about 300 something dollars on Northern Alliance models. So uh, hopefully it can get the core of an army. So that'd be next year's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised that 2019 is the year of Northern Alliance. Um, Night stalkers. And, but they yeah. started, you know, they, they've started to release some pictures of those models from the Kickstarters actual like pre-production pieces or production resins or whatever you want to say. And they look pretty good. Like yeah, the Basilean ones look really good. I think they look fantastic. Yeah. I think they look really good. Yeah. Uh, so that's, so I'm trying to, trying to, you know, resist the urge to just switch to paint another army. Cause I'd be like switching through, especially at masters, looking through people's armies. I'm just like, Ooh, I like that army. And just oh, no, no, gorgeous. No, no. Don't, don't, don't need to pick up another army just yet. Need to finish the one I got right now. No, it definitely was like for me anyway, be, seeing all those good armies, it definitely was like uh, they say that a lot when you go to an event and you see armies like that uh, hobby heroine, like straight into the vein <laughs> where you see all this stuff and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so incredible. You know, pick people's brains. And, you know, I think, it, 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 you know, in life, you should always be learning, always be striving to be better at whatever you want to do. And the way that you do that is by talking and playing and getting advice from the people who are, you know, really good at what they do. I, I, I already have like the, the bat phone, or should I say the brotherhood phone to Andrew Summers, where it's <laughs> like when I need advice on a brotherhood list, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to call him up and uh, start running ideas by him. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, and just kind of as we're getting ready to kind of transition into our uh, After Dark hobby segment, I want to do just a couple quick updates the raffle prizes from the after, end of the year after dark were were delivered um, at Masters. So Kevin uh, Von Felt and Jesse Cornwell both received their prizes. Secret, I guess, uh, true fun facts. I believe the last Army in the Weekend, I had won a box of Lower Abyssals uh, as part of the raffle. And they are part of my core of my Forces of the Abyss Army, so... You know. See, that's what in you got to do. You got to, and you, now you got to get some green stuff, and then you just got to model some rubber bands on one of the models. <laughs> like that's, that's the for, one that's for the Moloch. That's okay, for the Moloch. That's yeah. more the Moloch style. Yeah, uh, definitely. That, make, that makes sense. I think that's an astute and creative choice by you, my friend. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to take a break. It was awesome to get to meet Felix, and now you know here's another one, another After Dark member that you guys know when you come in. And kind of as we wrap up this part uh, before we get into the hobby stuff, if anyone was kind of on the fence or they hadn't really tried After Dark, how would you uh, what would you say to people who are maybe feel intimidated or they're, they're kind of on the fence about coming in or they're shy? What would you say to them, Felix? Honestly, just sign up. I mean, the great thing about these 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 hangouts is it's about as much or as little participation as you really want. I mean, we've got folks that'll. It'll just kind of sit there and listen to Jesse play with toy models demonstrating how matches went. Or our sing, our sing Enya songs. Or sing Enya songs, yeah. They will do just kind of as little they want. Or I've we've seen people like Mike Austin, they just jump right in there. And then for the next like hour, they're dominating the conversation. So it's really... Uh, it's, it's kind of an as you as you feel comfortable with. You know, if you, if you don't feel comfortable talking a whole lot, you know, just hop in. Somebody might eventually notice you're there and be like, hey, you know, you know, who, you know, who are you or, you know, kind of. But, you know, I would say just jump on in. I mean, at worst, I don't know. I, I, I don't really find much of a, a negative aspect of joining in. But then again, it's probably why I'm one of the regulars. So, yeah. And is there plans to finish the basement? That's that's the dying question America wants to know. 
I'm almost thinking no, because that might be how the folks recognize me if they're new. They'd be like, oh, that's the guy that looks like he's preventing the government from reading his mind uh, <laughs> in the basement. All, that must be Felix. Yeah, from so. all the tinfoil. That's right. Saves me on making a hat. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, you know, come in the After Dark, say hi to Felix. He'll give you tips on how to prevent uh, government mind control. That's right. And so we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to get into Army transportation and storage. Quiet down, boys. I'm trying to listen to Dead Zone, the podcast. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. My name is Hiroku, and I'm your friendly neighborhood Blake Lord. Why, yes, I do enjoy listening to Dead Zone, the podcast at deadzonegame.podbean.com Even if it is hosted by two pathetic humans destined to be part of our glorious plague. With that gunfire, damned enforcers are always interrupting my podcast time. Don't forget to go to deadzonegame.podbean.com for all your Dead Zone listening pleasure. Now, to destroy these damnable enforcers. Hey, this is Jordan Hawthorne from the Narrative Workshop, and you're listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to The Morning After. I'm your host, Billy, and we're here to talk about Army Transportation. My thing, uh, and I built these when I first got back into the hobby because I realized that foam was not for me uh, because I was playing Skaven. I made... I took some of those really useful cases from Office Max, put some magnetic sheeting on the yeah, bottom. Yeah, re- really useful boxes. Yes, really useful boxes. They are really useful for storing miniatures. And I put magnetic sheets on the bottom. And then I have custom-cut Shogun Miniatures metal trays for every single unit. And then basically you just slap them down in there and they stay, you know, they stay perfectly. As long as they're not like my new Dwarf Army, which weighs like 400 pounds because it's all solid metal, uh, it works just fine. And that's, they're stackable, they're compact. You know, I have a taller one that I used for, like, my goblins because my giants were, like, 12 and a half inches tall. But, yeah, that's worked for me for years now, and I love it. Now, how much are those boxes? Are those really pricey, Billy? The exact size that I use is thirty ninety nine in Office Depot, which can be a little bit pricey. However, oh, wait, no, this is a huge one for thirty ninety nine. Yeah, it depends on the size, Mark. I use two sizes. Um, one is the 11 liter size, uh, and those retail for about 13 bucks. And they actually come in two depths. They come in ele- the regular 11 liter, and there's actually a 11 liter XL, which has got a higher top. And then when I'm really feeling excited, I guess they they actually make a 20 liter box, which is uh like the kind you would see underneath a bed. It's actually designed for board games, and uh, those are like 20 bucks. And I can put basically. 3,000, 4,000 points in one of these things. 20 liters doesn't sound like a lot, but when you see it, it is actually pretty big. Yeah, and what what Billy's talking about, and I think it's it's a good idea to just kind of expand on it because I think it's probably one of the the hidden gems of the hobby world is what Shogun miniature trays do is they make essentially two types of trays. They make – are they two types of bases basically? They make like a flat metal base 
that's they they will cut to a specific size and then they make flanged metal bases and then they make actually magnetic bases so it's kind of a system where the idea is you have a metal movement tray you magnetize your you put your guys on magnetic bases and then when you put the miniature in the movement tray it's not going anywhere but what shogun trays are really good for is that you can also use them for multi-basing. So let's say you you build your army in smaller components, like uh, your, uh, a cavalry regiment you build in two troop stands. You can put those in a bigger size shogun flanged metal base so it has the sides so that the, the bases don't move around. But because instead of having a lip, like the, I love Ironheart Artisans and Death Ray Designs, but all of their movement movement trays have lips, so it's a little bit of extra on the side of the unit. The Shogun metal trays are flanged, so essentially the metal is wrapped and goes up. So there's very little extra uh, frontage or extra space on the unit tray so that when you're really trying to play like a tight game, you don't have sort of, well, am I in range? Well, you are, but it's only the lip or whatever. So, and uh, he will, uh, he's a really great company. The turnaround is fast. If you, uh, great communication if you need like a specific order. So uh, what a lot of people do, um, and I know uh, Jake Hutton has a case like this. This is a similar to the case that I have where you get these affordable plastic boxes you lay down magnetic sheets, and you can get adhesive magnetic sheets from um, Michael's, um, any sort of craft store. And then you put your army in the trays. You put the tray in the case. It magnetizes to the case. And next thing you know, your army is not going anywhere. One more follow-up on the really useful boxes, basically, though. Just go to reallyusefulproducts.com, and they have all the boxes available. Because, unfortunately, like Home Depot, Home Depot, Office Depot, they don't have all the sizes. And if you just go to their website, I think I paid like 20 bucks to ship it because, I mean, some of these boxes are gigantic, but the prices weren't bad. Uh, and, and, and Billy can probably chime in this. One of the reasons why really useful boxes are awesome is the way they're designed. They don't nest. In other words, they are the same width at the bottom as they are at the top. Go back, call back to the, the Shogun miniatures. You're talking about the, the speed of the service. I ordered, I think, four Horde trays four regiment for regular infantry and then two horde metal trays uh, about eight days ago and they just showed up in the mail today so and he also does customs as well because mm-hmm. um, they don't normally have the legion uh square base on there but if you just ask him you just give him the dimensions he can make them up real quickly and get them to you fairly quickly so i definitely second the the shogun miniatures and and just a note on those for people who do have those if you want to paint them to match your basing or whatever, there are some tips that he suggests using. And having tried to, to paint Shogun yeah. trays one way and failing utterly, actually following his instructions, which he suggests that you soak them first in white vinegar. And then mm. after they – and I guess with galvanized steel or whatever, it's supposed to – uh, I, I don't know the science of it, but after doing that, you then uh, – and I know I've talked to Billy about this – is uh, you prime them with sandable auto primer. And then you can go over with an, just like an acrylic army painter, blue, or whatever you want to do. And in that way, that paint is really not going to – I mean it's it's set at that point. Whereas I tried the first – my first round of Shogun trays, I just tried to spray – with, with just regular huh. miniature primer and then with an acrylic primer. And it's like you look at it and the paint flakes off. Yep. yep. So 
What about you, Mark? Are you like a, a foam figure case guy? Are you a, a, a kind of custom guy? Or what's your kind of case of choice? Well, actually, back in the Warhammer days and Warhammer 40K and stuff like that, uh, big into battle foam. Didn't get a lot of the custom cut stuff, but I, I have a bunch of it downstairs. And Adepticon one year for the 10th anniversary, they handed out free battle foam bags. Unfortunately, I had to buy the foam for 60 bucks to go in them, but, you know, <laughs> I had to rack those out. So I had those cases, but they do not work for me for Kings of War whatsoever. Believe it or not, what I have, mostly for home storage or if I go to a local tournament or, you know, I travel like to Toledo or something like that, something close, I just use envelope boxes that I get from work. They're free. Uh, unfortunately, they're cardboard, but I get I get some of that shelf liner and I cut it out and I put it on the bottom so the miniatures don't shift too much. So it's good and cheap. However, I do want to get into something better than that. But that's what I have. I still have a bunch of models in the foam uh, just stacked on top of each other at the house. But I like the envelope boxes because I can stack them on the plastic shelves I have downstairs in the basement. I can stack them three high and three wide. So, it, you know, I get nine boxes on one shelf. So it works out pretty well. Uh, unfortunately, they're not that tall. So the big tall models, I actually have got those in separate copy paper boxes. Uh, that I have up on the shelf, and then we kind of mix and match. I'm also, uh, for small armies or small projects, I'm big into the free shoe boxes that come into the house. So I have got a lot of models. So, you know, popping 30 bucks a, 30 bucks a box for uh, every army that I have would cost a fortune. So that's what I've went to, but I would really, these really useful boxes sounds like a great idea. I'm already on the website. Don't forget to go to the post office and just steal one of their boxes. They're actually pretty awesome because they're designed to go through the mail and you know they're f technically not free but they are right you just go in there and steal some boxes you know the uh flat rate boxes mm -hmm. no i'm gonna mm -hmm. the, the post office may be helping me because i have to move I, which i found out at masters i got a text um, email from my landlord saying i'm selling the house and within which you live so i always like to hit up the post office when i'm right before i'm getting ready to do a move so about foam I am, um, you know, you guys bring it up. Kings of War with multi-basing does provide some challenges, but also some opportunities for creative army storage. I think for, for people who don't multi-base, I think um, battle foam, the quality of battle foam is very good. Their cases come with really high-end handles, great zippers. Just the quality of the back construction is really good, but it does kind of give you mm. a challenge for multi-basing what i was doing with my battle foam case is that i would get custom pluck foam and then i would set my unit tray on top of the foam and then i would pluck around it so essentially the multi-base tray was just fitting right down into the foam and that worked and that worked pretty well um, and there's a couple of good options if you like battle foam or if you uh, have um individually based miniatures a couple of my favorites they have the the pack 720 which is they're a little bit bigger. So this would be the pack that would, or the, the battle foam um, that would be good for, for uh, bigger armies. Uh, and that's usually around $170 to $200 somewhere, depending on what type of custom foam you're getting. And I do like battle foam. They have uh, their different cases fit their different size trays. So they have like small, medium, large battle foam trays. And it's kind of like a standardized system. 
So you can do a lot of like min and maxing. So if you wanted, you could get one battle foam case and then lots of foam trays and then sort of like swap them in and out depending on what you're using. Battle foam has a travel uh, bag. That's the 352. And that is uh, like created under TSA carry on guidelines. So that I know we all don't ever want to have to check an army. So that's another kind of interesting thing. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, backpack cases. I don't know if you've ever seen KR Multi-Case. They do a really nice uh, uh, backpack that's really high-end, and that goes for around 250 so it's a little bit more expensive. But I think that you guys do bring up some interesting points that, you know, uh, with multi-basing, it does kind of provide a, a, a – it's a little different, right, uh, transporting a multi-based army than an individual model-based army. Yeah, yeah. I'll chime in a little bit because, you know, full disclosure, I am a package engineer, so that's what I do for a living. I design packages to, to ship stuff. You know, you talk about the foam. The foam is not really the greatest – as you say, it's not the greatest option for Kings of War. But I have – Every single company uh, except for Battle Foam. I don't have Battle Foam, but I mean, we all have the old GW cases from back in the day, right? But KR Multi Case is amazing. KR Multi Case actually uses a softer foam, it's actually less dense. But what it gives is it gives a stretchiness. So the pockets that you're putting your miniatures in are actually too small, and you stretch the, the, the pocket out, and it kind of constricts down and grabs the model and actually contains it. Uh, one of the issues with foam trays in general is if you just have a generic cutout your model is actually going to rattle around and bang up and down yeah it's hitting in foam but usually that's still too much usually that's still too many g's for a a plastic model to take you know especially <laughs> if you've got some kind of small articulated arm or something so uh the kara multi case is interesting um like you said the, they have a backpack which is awesome and what i really like about the kara is they the foam goes into a cor a corrugated case and then those slide into a the, the travel case of your, you know, of your choice. So you have these corrugated inserts that then drop into a bag or a backpack or whatever. Sable, you know, we didn't touch on that yet, but Sable's another option. They're the, the, the original foam in a bag. And I have probably, uh, I don't know, six, six shelves worth of battle uh, of, of Sable foam. Um, they're also good. They, you know, and I guess it's worth noting that, you know, they have two styles, right? You have the die cut stuff where you can have a, a square that's cut out or you can have the pluck foam. I don't know. You guys want to just touch on before we move on to some other stuff. I mean, foam foam is the option that's been around a long time. A lot of people use it. And to be frank, that's the only way to really take it on an airplane, right, is to, is to have foam. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a good point, right? The, the thing with foam is that you want to beware of friction, right? Which is how is the model in the phone rubbing against the foam while you're traveling? You know, if if a model is moving around in foam or whatever, all it's going to take is for an arm or a lance or something to, to get caught in that foam. And the next thing you know, the model breaks. So that is that's one benefit I like in, in the pluck foam is that you are given a little bit more options to, to create the space in the tray that is specific to the model. And then you can always use the foam that you pluck out for all sorts of things. You can use it to kind of place inside or whatever you want to do. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Rob. Foam really is like the the grandfather of how we carry models. 
So I think it is definitely an option. And like you said, Sable is really good. I would say if you were looking to get into the uh, the the bag foam and you maybe don't want to uh, pay for a little bit nicer KR case or you don't want to uh, do a battle foam, uh, Sable stuff is usually a little bit more uh, costs, costs, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more entry level, maybe you'd say. Yeah, I'd say the battalion size is a really good size. It fits under – and I've traveled to Alpaca a number of times – uh, or crucible last year with the battalion bag, it holds like 26 inches of foam. And when you got to, when you go to buy foam for bags, the bags usually say it can hold, you know, they have a certain size tray and it will hold this many vertical inches of foam in that bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so the battalion's a good size, uh, but you know, there's like probably 20 or 30 companies now that make foam bags, right? I mean, portable warfare, uh, game plus, there's just, there's just too many. I mean, there's so many, and if you just do a search on the internet, if that's what you're interested in, there's a ton of them out there. And you know, battle foam is obviously the most expensive followed probably by KR, but there's a ton of options that are less than those two. Yeah. And then also too, we have, you know, like you said, Rob, we all had them, those old black Halliburton GW figure cases. Absolutely. And I know that they have a new like backpack harness and I'm not, uh, a GW hater and I'm not a GW apologist either. I buy their products that I like um, and I'm more than willing to buy an expensive GW model if it's good. Like their new stuff coming out for the Daughters of Cain or whatever makes me want to do a Twilight Kin army. I mean those models are gorgeous. But their figure cases, in my opinion, suck massive in honor of Felix otter balls. <laughs> they suck. I, I mean even their new stuff, I don't, I don't, I don't, their figure cases are so expensive they're made of cheap plastic. Um, I don't know if you've dealt with their newer lines. I mean, I just think they're not very good at all. But I know you're familiar a little bit, uh, 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 Rob. Uh, you know, we've kind of just – you and Billy were talking about your uh, sort of your uh, really useful boxes mm-hmm. and the idea of being able to slip models in and magnetize a little bit. We're also seeing a new kind of case. We've seen it in the Table War display case. We've seen it in the A case, right, of – uh, these figure cases that are metal framed cases with steel trays with the idea that you are going to magnetize. Um, I know you're a fan of both those, that, that, that kind of style of case. Yeah, I have both of those. Um, and actually Billy probably will mention there's an, actually a new company that's come out made out of uh, plywood that has metal line trays that, that also will work. But so table war, I mean, I, I got my table war case back in 2011. I've been using the crap out of it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, however, it's $200. <laughs> so take that for what it is, right? I mean, it's, you know, on Black Friday, you can usually get a discount, but the reality is it is a pricey piece of hardware. Now, I'm somebody with some disposable income and I like to bling out my stuff. So there you go. Uh, but the Table War case pretty much is a, a vertical set of adjustable shelves, if you will, and the shelves slide out. And inside that shelf, you can drop a number of things. What I prefer to do is drop a big giant piece of metal. In fact, I went to Shogun Miniatures. I said, here's the dimension of the, they call it the display board, basically. And uh, it's, I don't know the exact dimensions, but he, he basically made me a, an insert to drop in. I epoxied it in. And so now I have this three or four panels that pull out of my display, uh, my table or case. And then I magnetize the models to it. Why is it awesome? Well, number one is uh, you can put a lot of stuff in there. Number two, it, it actually does, it, it's got some rigidity. It's more like, um, if you've ever seen like professional, um, like camera equipment or electrical equipment, like roadies would use, it's, it's that kind of, um, 
design, hmm. if you will. Um, and, and actually, their oldest design actually has a clear front, so you can actually, in some regards, use it to actually display your army, right? Um, they also have some that now have solid fronts. Um, but yeah, t- Table War is awesome. Uh, I've got four cases, and they come in all kinds of different sizes, from like the full size to the the midsize to actually what they call, I don't know if it's called the mini. Um, but one one thing to, to note, um, it's pretty much just useful for carrying an army to an event where you're driving. You can't take it on an airplane. Number two, if you have the full-size case, you need to secure it in your car. Because uh, I, I've actually one time learned a lesson. It flipped over, and it smashed mm-hmm. everything. Uh, I mean, I have magnets on there, but it's not going to hold it when, when you – you know, hit the brakes and the whole thing tips over. Um, oh. and it, and it is table, it is very top heavy. So, um, now you mentioned a case, uh, a case has got a lot of options as well. Um, they actually did a couple different kickstarters. I know, uh, Billy, maybe you can chime in too, but uh, our buddy Devlin has their older design where it was, uh, basically like a, a metal frame and there's one big tray, maybe 30 inches by 18 inches, something, something like that. And you just basically it's one tray and what's really cool about that is it's essentially your display board. You pull it out of its case, right? And then you walk to the table and you're good to go. Mm. Their newer design uh, it actually is a self-erecting case where you – it comes in the mail completely flat and you follow their instructions and you roll it up. And we actually gave one to Patrick Allen at last year's Masters and he used it to this year's Masters. And he had all of his models stuck – the whole case is metal and there's little metal trays. But he had – like in this, when you, when you unzip the bag, there were models vertically, horizontally, upside down with magnets all over the inside of this case. And it worked. You put it on an airplane. So, uh, but mm. Billy, maybe you chime in. I know you've, you've seen Devlin's case. Yeah, I, um, I like it a lot. Like you said, it is very rigid. It's, it's made of metal. It's in like a really nice, like nylon bag. And like Devlin has all these cool pins and pinned to it. And then it's got like a little carry uh, like a little pocket for books and stuff. And uh, the only thing I don't like about the old one is it doesn't have as much room and it's not very tall. So what's cool about the vertical designs is that you can kind of adjust the height. You know, like if you have that dragon or whatever that's really tall, you can kind of make some more room. And his, like he he literally can't bring certain models because it's just too tall. But uh, no, it is very rigid and, and I like it a lot. If I had $200 to throw had a case i would be all over it you know i think one of the things that stands out in what you're saying is it's nice to have a case that has some uh, modularness to it right that you can use it for different things that's why uh kind of before i went to this more uh travel uh, friendly and then we'll get to that kind of rob mentioned it a little bit you know about how we how we travel in an army but that's i guess one nice thing about having these uh uh figure more nice uh, outer frame figure cases is that it does allow you some, you know, where you can swap stuff in and out. So the idea, right, these figure cases are expensive and you don't want to have to have a different case for every army that you have. Because if you do have a lot of armies, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about some serious, some serious dough. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of table work too, it should be noted that the, there are two main sizes, their full, their full size uh, display tower and their half size use the same tray. So basically what's cool is you can just, depending on the army, I'm like, oh, I'm playing 1850 and I can fit it in the half size. You just pop the trays in the half size. Oh, I need the bigger tray because I'm picking the mammoth. You know, so you can yeah. really quickly store. I mean, it, it's also kind of a bit of a display too, right? I mean, you, you put it on your shelf and you can you can see the entire army through the, through the clear mm-hmm. front. 
Which is nice, right? Because when and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're going to talk about how you store stuff at home. You you know we we all spend so much time on these painting these armies. It's nice to be able to look at them, you know, when we're not using them and not have them like, you know. Uh, in the closet of shame, you know, hiding our secret passions or whatever. You know, it's fun to be able to uh, to uh, take a look at them. Because um, where else are you going to put the ball gag? You know, exactly, exactly. Now, if you now for those of us that aren't necessarily in the lots of spending cash, if you want the same ability to you know hit the brakes hard and smash all your models, but at a cheaper price. <laughs> uh, I go with uh, Tarjay. They have the Sterilite Stack and Carry. It's a three piece tote uh, they connect to each other and i'll buy like a chief shelf liner uh, i'm sure if i slam the brakes it would smash all the models too but it, they're like nine bucks for the uh for the tote so if you want to yeah. be able to smash your models without spending two hundred dollars that, that is your way to go you know the sterilite stuff from target's a really good uh, uh option it's kind of similar to the useful boxes in the way that you can buy a plastic box uh, line it with foam or line it with magnetic sheets and then you've turned it into a figure case basically the only problem i've noticed with i have a double stack sterilite is mm-hmm. that uh, the verticalness can be a challenge i had an issue where i had to i had a horse going to masters one of the lances was just too big so i had to cut like a a, a square out of like the top of the case so that the spear could like stick through and then i had to put something on top of that and let's just say yeah. that spear broke twice once on the way there and then once on the way back so yep. that's just something to keep in mind is thinking yep. about uh, uh the vertical size uh, of the yes model. and that that can be an issue um as many of the know me at least a little bit from the community i do play the herd so my stampedes tend to be pretty freaking tall and my guardian brutes are pretty tall as well and what i ended up doing with my sterilites is i had i bought two of them so i have six so I basically had an extra one left over, and I learned this from uh, Kara Brown, but what she did was she cut out, like, half of one of them, and then she used, like, like cardboard, just from, you know, from Amazon box. We all got tons of those lying around the house, and just use that, and she uses basically half of one of those Sterilite levels to hold her dice, tokens, all that stuff, so... So it allows us to, allows allows me to pack my taller miniatures on one side of one of the levels and then have room to put all my stuff for games the other half. So, um, and I think for height purposes, that's kind of why I've gone with like the like I have the two different size really useful boxes. And I looked it up and I think I have the twenty one gallons. Um, and there's like one that's the same dimensions, but it's like two like a little more than two times as tall. And so, like, if I have if I have something that's incredibly tall, I can put that in there, um, and it also, you know, fit everything else. But I fit my entire, you know, goblin army up to twenty five hundred points in three of these little boxes, and you know, I felt fairly confident that it wasn't gonna, you know, come off the trays and break anything. The other thing, and maybe we can get into it. I, I don't know if you want to talk about it right now, but thinking about storage kind of starts with building the model itself. You know, like I know a lot of people uh, magnetize like dragon wings and stuff, but um, like I have like what is it called the uh, the pla- the old plague furnace, the Skaven thing. So when I built my case, it was too tall, and so I just made like the little thingy on the top of it magnetized, so like it wouldn't keep snapping off over and over again. No, I think that's a good point, and I know that 
uh, a lot of people like I know Kevin uh, magnetized spears on guys. You know, these spears keep breaking. So I think that's a good idea, Bill. You bring up a really good point is when you're building a really huge, obscenely awesome, massive model, maybe think about how can I construct this in a way to make it easier to store. So we've talked a little bit about like uh, kind of around the town, around the car storage. Do you guys do anything specific maybe when you're flying on a plane like for uh, uh, or maybe long road trips or whatever? I know, Rob, you've done a lot, you guys have done mm-hmm. a lot of plane traveling. Yeah. What do you kind of think about when you're when you're going to bring an army on a plane? What, are, what, what should someone sort of have in their mind when they're getting ready to travel for the first time with an army? Yeah, the, the big the big thing is obviously any of those foam bags we talked about. If your models are individually based, we'll go just fine. And even if they're in a, a unit base, you could still get the pluck foam and actually rip it out to the right dimensions. Actually, just for carrying it on an airplane, any of those options will work, um, especially if you're keeping it with you and you're putting it in the overhead. The battle foam bag that I mentioned, though, actually fits under the seat in front of you as well. Because here's what you don't want to have happen, which has happened a couple times. You get to the gate and like, oh, we're full. We need to check your bag. Because <laughs> when you do that, uh, bad things happen, as a lot of people will know, including Jeff Swan. You know, you want to make sure that you just use the bag as it is. Now, what what I, I do a few things extra. Typically, like I'll add a little foam on the top, maybe maybe on the sides, just just a peace of mind in case somebody set something on top of it. But the biggest consideration: make sure whatever you're putting it into, when the TSA opens it, and they will, <laughs> that they don't smash. It's easy to get out. Easy to inspect and easy to put back together because you got to do it quickly. And God knows they will find a way to smash all your models. Isn't that right, Jeremy? Yes. And usually, I mean, I, I found if you if you're you know you catch more honey or measure more bees with honey than vinegar. So if it looks like someone's gonna like look at your stuff, maybe say you know I'd be more than happy to show you what's inside that, but it's very fragile. Would you mind if I open it for you? Because those mm-hmm. people don't know they're just trying to do their jobs. And like you said. Absolutely. In opening a case, have it so that, you know, like what Rob said, models aren't going to fly out. So, like, practice opening the case. Is there an extra layer of foam on top? Or think about, well, what's going to happen when this is open in a hectic environment? I agree with Rob. To me, I want to try, if at all humanly possible, I want that. I want my army under the seat in front of me on the plane. It's with an eye contact. I see it. No one's going to mess with it. People so people aren't trying to put their roll, roll bags on top of it or messing around when they got to get their book in the middle of the flight and I'm giving them the stink eye. You know, if it's in underneath the seat in front of you, you have complete control over what happens to that army while you're traveling. And I think what's useful with the Sterilite and I'm guessing maybe with, with different sizes of the really useful boxes or like what Rob said, certain uh, uh, army uh, uh, battle foam trays is that you can look up on TSA's website and check out what are the dimensions of under the seat in front of you so you can actually at home measure cases. So you can get an idea of, will this fit in front of the seat in front of me? And then you know, you know, in doing that, you can just put it in front of the seat in front of you. And then honestly, guys, right, traveling on a plane with an army is really stressful, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done it lots of times. And like the worst is when you're going to, for example, Wapaka, which is in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. And you are going to go to, let's say, fly to Chicago or Minneapolis. And then you're going to pick up a puddle jumper to take you to... You know, Central Wisconsin Airport. Well, here's a here's a tip. There is no there is no overhead space on those airplanes. So when you get to the gate, they are going to take your little bag and they're going to 
basically put it in like a metal container and they're going to wheel that over to the airplane and put it in. So the trick is ultimately, if you don't really know, if you haven't flown this way before, you, you really don't know how, what's going to happen. If that makes sense. I mean, you really don't have all the control. So the best thing you can do is just pack them as, be- as best as you can. Make sure that they're easy to get in and out. I guess the, the best tip I can give, Make sure you take an army that travels well. <laughs> so, like, if I have my druthers, I'm taking my dwarves because they're all metal and they're small and they fit in a bag easily. You know, I had horror stories. I took my Tomb Kings and it was, yeah, they have all these, like, crazy spears and it, chariots. And it was not not easy. Um, but, you know, something I think, Billy, you were talking about. If you know this is an army that's going to travel, then from the ground up, build into it. So, for example, I have a Warriors of Chaos army where all the big flagpoles are all magnetized. The wings on the demon prints are magnetized. I mean, and then when I and then that one I actually use a KR multi case, and I've traveled with that one. But I I specifically designed this army to be in a bag, and so it is. It basically disassembles, right? And so the 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 individual parts go into foam. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Felix a tip though. You know, for anybody out there that wants a cheap way to go. The cheapest possible way to go, go to Walmart, buy like they have pre-made bubble wrap bags. They're like, I don't know, six inches by four inches, right? Uh, now, obviously, this wouldn't work for a lot of the, you know, this will work for characters, but unit bases, you need something bigger. You just stick them in these bags and you just roll it up and they even have self-adhesive and they stick. Put like, I don't know, 10 or 15 of these or whatever into a shoebox, put it in your check luggage, you're good to go. Yeah, and I, I think you, you you bring up like a good thing, and I think it's a great topic for a future After Dark hobby segment is to talk about magnetization. And I think that we'll put that on our to-do list to talk about different ways, uh, not just magnetizing. You bring up a, a good point, Rob, that magnetizing is not just about ma- magnetizing things to bases. It's about – and I know it's really popular in 40K because you can magnetize different weapon options or sci-fi games. But magnetization can be used in, in hobby building on so many different ways like you mentioned. Also something to think in mind uh, when you're traveling with an army to alleviate stress is leave early. Give yourself extra time at the airport. Realize that they may ask to look through your bag. Realize that people are going to come up and talk to you about and ask you questions about, oh, what's in that case? You know, when you're traveling, you're trying to, with an army, you're in a high stress. So you're trying to do whatever you can to alleviate that stress. So I really recommend the last thing you want to do is miss your flight because they're, you're, you're, you're arguing with someone about not, not wanting them to check your army. So I think that's just something to keep in mind when you're traveling with an army is give your maybe give yourself an extra half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour or whatever than what you think you could do. And then if you get to the airport early, hey, you can look at your army book or, you, you know, there's plenty of stuff that you can do to, to make up that time. That's a, that's a top tip right there. That is definitely a good tip. Oh, Mark, speak to what is another option about traveling to tournaments that you could do that would totally eliminate all the problems of army storage and transportation? My favorite trick is to borrow an army when you arrive at the tournament so you don't have to take it on the plane at all. Just have uh, Rob Phaneuf show up at Lone Wolf or another tournament and bring you an army. Uh, I'll be pulling that off at Lone Wolf again, uh, tip of the hat. I am uh, going to be borrowing an army again this year. So the U.S. Paragon last year is uh, going to be lending me a troll army. Well, goblin army, but I don't think there's any goblins in it. So <laughs> so Robbie is hooking me up, man. So I am uh, going to be all set. And I, I'm, I'm getting on that train, too. 
Mark, as some of you know, I, I've mentioned it, is that I'm in the process. I found out I got to move within the next 60 days. There's some stuff that I want to fix in my list from lessons I've learned at Masters to cut down on some stress and to make things easier, make my trip to Lone Wolf easier. I'm going to be uh, getting on the hype train and I'm going to be using Kevin Von Felt's dwarves at Lone Wolf. Oh, wow. He's going to let you use the wolves. I thought uh, dwarves. I thought uh, Robbie King would uh, get you the ogres. Um, I, I, you know, dwarves are on my short list for what armies I want to do. I actually, I know it's kind of some people like and some people don't, but I really like Mantic's dwarf design. I think the steel behemoths are great. And as far as doing an all Mantic model army, which I would like to have one, the dwarves are on the list for that. So and I've kind of been wanting to do dwarves for a while. And it's strangely enough, Kevin is flying to the Bay Area for, I think, his sister's wedding. So we'll be crossing each other in the skies as I'm going to Lone Wolf and he's going to uh, uh, the Bay Area. And he's so sad that he can't be in Lone Wolf. So I'm going to do his army or do him uh, uh, in his honor by trying to lose as elegantly and with as much sportsmanship as I can while playing his dwarves. Speaking of dwarves, that's going to be my countercharge Kings of War army in a spectacular army this time around. I've got a great idea for a dwarf army, and I'm going to do it. That's cool. I've got it. I'm I'm already working it out. I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to have to put the trolls I'm working on off to the side. I got to start building me some dwarfs there. So I've got an excellent idea. It's going to be cool. And I think most people, and I'm curious to hear, you know, your longtime tournament goer, Rob and uh, 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 Billy and stuff. At first, I was kind of on the fence about borrowing someone's army, but from what I've heard in the community, that that's not an out of the ordinary thing. And in some ways, it's like a sign of that people think you're a good guy, that you're, you know, you're that they're willing mm-hmm. to. To, and that it's not a big deal and that when you're traveling all that way that loaning people armies or playing with other people's armies is not like a frowned upon thing correct yeah so uh, before we move on to the home storage is there any other ideas people have about tips oh uh, another great tip for traveling is you can either bring it in your suitcase or sometimes there's issues uh, uh find out where there's a local game store or have a plan for how you're going to get a hold of glue when you arrive because even the best laid plans, you're going to have minor damage while you travel. Uh, mm-hmm. So having access to glue or uh, files or having a plan on how you're going to do minor model repairs is really going to cut down on your stress as well, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was at Charcon last year. Uh, this was in West for Charleston, West Virginia. And we were we got to the hotel room and... One of my buddies was pulling their cases out, and I didn't know on my stereo light one of the latches had broken. So he pulls it out, and like the bottom part of my case falls out, and my one of my guardian brute hordes just like shatters. Like they all broke off the base, arms, legs, you know, axes going everywhere. So I spent like good hour <laughs> just sitting there at the table at the at the tournament, just gluing shit back to the bases and so yeah just i thought you were gonna say you spent a good hour crying so you know uh you know uh like a good soldier i knew i I, you know losses happen you just have to move on you know but have you ever heard a tournament a tournament room or a gamer room get more quiet than when it sounds like someone drops their army yeah like everyone in the room is just like because that's your worst nightmare so i was i was at the a few years ago and we were actually in the hall, and we were all drinking, as you do. And uh, a gentleman named Mike Hernandez 
got extremely intoxicated and then proceeded to fall on top of his own army. Like knocked the table down. It was Ooh. it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. He fell into his army on the table and it flipped up and hit the ground. And he was laying on it. I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, it was a really raucous room. And then it just got dead quiet. Because <laughs> uh, wow. we spent so many hours painting these armies. Right. And yeah. it's just it's so much time. So what one more case I want to mention that Billy and I have been looking at uh, is a company called Miniature Arts Team. They do kind oh, of a table yeah. work case, a table work case, um, but it's made out of plywood and it's like half the price. Now it is from, I think Poland. So um, Poland, I'm waiting yeah. for some people to, to get them in and to let me know how they, you know, how they turn out and, you know, actually touch them. But for the cost, they seem pretty legit. I mean, it's basically a plywood case with a slide front, you know, and it could be plexiglass or plywood, whatever. And then there's tra- like shelves, just like the table that slide in. And these can be lined with either magnetic uh, sheeting or steel, and that's all done by the company. And uh, what what I really dig is though, if you go on YouTube, you know everybody's favorite YouTube uh, King's War guy, Luke Apps, right? Portable Luke's paint a service. Portable paint service. Yes, From Yorkshire. Exactly. So he's My horrible fantastic. Yorkshire accent. Mm. But anyways, he did a really great review, and. They have cases that they've displayed on their uh, Facebook page where they've taken like Kings of War artwork and put it on the case. It's it's really neat. So yeah, another option. Cool. Not another you know, option. It's, it's funny how like out of some of these Eastern because isn't Poland the home of uh, Shibor? Shibor table uh, tabletop miniature solutions. Miniature solutions. Yeah, uh, that's like uh, shoot uh, a cases there. Uh, this miniature art case is there. Micro Art Studios. I mean, actually, we had an episode not too long ago talking to um, uh, the gentleman from TMS, and he actually we were talking about that that the, <laughs> Poland may have the most number of war game companies per capita of any country. Yeah, if you're looking for not multi basing, but you're losing, you're looking for resin basing. The Micro Art Studios does a lot of really awesome resin bases. Like, uh, you know, check those out. There's some some pretty cool – they do some pretty cool stuff. Well, cool. Okay, so we've kind of looked at uh, uh, army transport around, the, around the, the house, around to the hobby shop. We've looked at transportation while traveling, transportation on the airplane. So let's talk about storage at home. You know, I'm, uh, we've touched on it briefly in e- kind of each of the previous sections. But let's sort of circle around to this. Rob, why don't you go first? How do you like to store your armies uh, maybe that aren't part of your, your, you know, your plans for uh, upcoming events? But how are you storing your armies yeah. at your, your house? So uh, over the years, I have a million different ways. And so most recently, I have been storing the newer armies at the Rat House in the really useful boxes. They just, you know, and I don't even have a magnetized. I just have like uh, Felix said, just shelf liner in the bottom. And I just I, I get the same size box. And they just stack up and they go right on the shelf. That's option one. Um, the sable stuff, I have probably six shelving units that have just full of foam. I mean, I probably have 40,000 points worth of, you know, fancy models. And most of it's in foam. And so they, they don't, they're not in the bag. They just, the foam trays are just on a shelf. And the, the uh, I have, I, in Magic Marker, I just wrote on the end of the tray, you know, what is this? Is this like... Uh, Horse archers, chariots, whatever. I have some armies that are completely just like uh, the 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 uh, Warriors of Chaos army. They're packed up in the Caramalta case, stuck in this, you know, stuck in the closet. So if I ever wanted to go quickly, I just grab the bag and I can go. Um, I also have 
table war. So I have uh, several armies that are in a table war case. I guess what I'm trying to say is for the most part, I just leave it in whatever I'm using, right? So whatever I'm using to carry the models, I'm just leaving it in that and stacking it on a shelf. And I guess the one that we probably need to touch on is the other thing is I do have a couple of the Detloff figure cases. So I do have some armies that are like, I air quotes, on display. So that is a cheap option for my Kia where you have a glass case with four shelves and you can have lighting and, you know, you can get, you can get that look like you would see at a games workshop store or a, uh, a gaming store um, for like one tenth the cost. Yeah, those those I think are kind of pretty well known by the community. Those uh, uh, glass cases from IKEA, but I think they're like you said, they're really worth mentioning because they're inexpensive. Uh, they have a relatively small footprint as far as uh, where you can fit them in a room. You put two or three of those two two or three of those together, you could display you could display a few armies. And they do look pretty professional. Um, they're kind of a pain to put together. I would really, you know, the, the instructions. As IKEA does. Yeah. Well, the instruction in IKEA is it shows the guy, the stick figure guy by himself, trying to put it together. And they put like a big giant X, like, do not put this together by yourself. But I, of course, were like, instructions for schmucks. I got this. Right. And, and you really should have an extra pair of hands when you put these together. But if you have dedicated space that you can display, these cases are really awesome. Um, they're very affordable, and they would be my recommendation if you want uh, a little bit more "quote unquote" like fancy way to display an army. Like, and in mine right now, I'm looking at it. I have my undead army. I have a bunch of my armada models. You know, some uh, other little doodads. So it's really kind of like a multi-purpose way to display your army. Now, a question for you, Jeremy and Rob. Do you guys think that displaying it out in the open like that, the the light, sunlight or unnatural light, degrades the paint or fades it in any way? I mean, I, I have. I've had those Detloff cases for a long time. And even before that, I had armies on display. Now, to be fair, I just have one small window. Um, but no, no, yeah. they don't. I mean, if they were in direct sunlight all day long for a year, you know what I mean? I, I mean, even I would be hard-pressed to think uh, it would affect, especially if you're sealing your models with any sort of flat matte varnish or anything. I would think it would be hard-pressed. But it might you know, be an idea not to have that case right in front of a window where the sun's shining. But I would be surprised if you would ever have any long-term damage. But that is a good question, uh, Mark, uh, and was something that I've kind of never really thought about deeply but has kind of uh, percolated in my brain. But the other downside of that, which I'm about to find out, is when you move, what do you do with those? I mean, they are kind of a pain to move. You can somewhat disassemble them. But anyone who knows, IKEA stuff will go together. But as soon as you start taking it apart and then reassembling it, <laughs> you, you know, you begin to run into issues. Another way that we've kind of talked about, I think, storing stuff is is having singular cases but multiple collections of foam. So like, kind of each army lives in a foam case. Our foam, right. and then whenever you're ready to go to the game store, you take your outside case and you just load it up with whatever you, whatever you want to bring with you that particular day. I mean, in your uh, uh, unfinished basement, uh, Felix, is that where you store all your uh, models? Is is that kind of just the your uh, den of hobby stuff? I actually I use another IKEA product. Gosh, it's I can't remember the shelves. They're just like the the it looks like eight cubes that you can buy 
you know, inserts to put in stuff like that. I just have those, and I just have like half the cubes have my herd army. Some of them have undead models in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's another IKEA product. It's just we 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 used to use them for bookshelves and stuff like that. And since uh, wife has decided those were no longer good, and we needed to buy more money on spend more money on stuff, I I just took them downstairs and I keep my models there. So. Uh, what about you, Billy? How how are you storing your your stuff at home? So um, those of you that were on After Dark, what was it the last time that I was on there? You know, I have uh, one of those. It's actually from Games Workshop, like the big glass cases. I was fortunate. Um, you know, we live right by the North American hub and they closed down a huge chunk of like their display area. And so they were selling off all the cases and, you know, being a player, they were like, hey, who wants this? And I said, me. And so I got one. Uh, but anyway, so most of my stuff that I'm not using actively is in there. So like my goblins, you know, this is the year of the forces of nature. So the goblins are hanging out in here. My dwarf army's in there. My skaven army's in there. And, um, you know, other, other little doodads. And then the army I'm playing with is in my really useful boxes at the clubhouse. So and then, you know, when I want to change out, you know, I either I have enough extra really useful boxes that I, I could bring the dwarves up if I wanted to or something. But um, yeah. And then, you know, next year, the forces of nature will end up in this case. And then, you know, orange dwarves or whatever's next will come out. You know, I think Billy just really hit on something um, I think is interesting. Going out of business sales, retail businesses that sell doodads, those uh, display cases that they have in those retail stores, having come from retail, and I know Mark can probably speak to this, are really expensive, but yet incredibly hard to sell. If you're ever going out of business, so that's something I think to keep in mind. Uh, if you have, if, if you know a store, you know, a going out of business store or whatever, you can always just ask the person, be like, "Hey, are you going to sell this case, display case? How much do you want for it?" You know, often sometimes those people will take anything as long as you'll come and get it yourself. So if you have a way to transport it to your house, you can come up with something, you know, an industrial, really nice display case. Absolutely. Uh, you know, another thing like that is uh, antique malls and what are those things called? Estate sales. I bought a like seven foot tall, like, you know, walnut glass case with lights in it for like 200 bucks. Uh, I have this other one sitting next to me. It's full of my Star Wars stuff. And it was it's Which like was awesome. Six, <laughs> thank you. It's like six foot tall craziness. I think I got it for like 150 bucks from uh, some place that was going out of business. So, yeah, no, it works for sure. Yeah, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. You know, I think one of the cool, fun things about being into the hobby is trying to think outside the box. You know, I, I know all of us when we're in a store, anytime we see anything that remotely looks like a tree, your eye goes to it and you're like, hmm, can I use that for terrain? And I think that that's kind of like a funny lens that us, you know, people into the hobby develop after time. And it's something that you can, can kind of use to all these sort of different aspects of the hobby, uh, you know, w- with with army transportation and storage being one. But, you know, I think we're curious to see what you, the community, what you guys do, you know, come into the Countercharge Facebook page, you know, take some pictures of the army cases that you use. Or maybe if you have a cool setup for how you store um models are we didn't even really touch on uh how we store paint i think we'll we'll save that for another uh morning after episode of how do we organize our paint desk i think that will be a great uh uh topic to cover but you know go onto the countercharge facebook page or on twitter hit us up with kind of your transportation solutions how are you transporting your armies how are you storing your armies and then also feel free to contact me or contact billy or or mark or rob about 
elements of the hobby that you would like to see covered in these hobby segments? Well, I think we covered a bunch of really good stuff, guys. Does anyone have any uh, final uh, transportation stuff or RV transport stuff you guys want to share? Nope, I think I'm good. Cool. Well, why don't you, Felix, why don't you, as our special guest, uh, remind uh, our audience of a, a little special something? Well, as always, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by posting on our episode thread on the discussion forum found on manticgames.com. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 